On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts, John the Vernomatic Verno and Metal Forever March. It is getting nice and heavy. Welcome to another edition of Metal Mayhem ROC. I'm your host, John the Vernomatic Verno, and tonight we have a special guest as Carl Kennedy, drummer of the Power Trio band from Central New York, The Rods, catches up with us, shares what's going on with his new side band, The Kennedy Band, next week, August 15th, releasing the full-length Warrior album, Carl will discuss how the band came about, who he's playing with, what type of music they're doing, and he'll share the Rod's ties to Rochester, New York. It goes back to the mid-'80s, that whole Barrett Alley Music America connection. He'll also share tidbits about touring with Iron Maiden and Priest in the early-'80s on some of those early Screaming for Vengeance and Number of the Beast tours. He shares his Mount Rushmore metal vocalists, and also dives into a metal confession that I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but it's pretty wild. That and more. Metal Forever Mark isn't with us this week. He's on assignment, so I'm just handling uh, all duties tonight. Remember, folks, join us over at the Metal Mayhem ROC group page. We have daily topics. We discuss things, get the interaction thing going, and we also encourage people to send us emails to eventually be guests on the show submitting your own Mount Rushmore of metal entries, your metal confessions, anything like that. So going to do a little spot from our show sponsor, and then we'll kick right into the Carl Kennedy of the Rod solo band interview. Talk to you next week. And remember, 8 p.m. Thursday nights, new content, new shows drop every week. See you on Facebook. Thanks, folks. This edition of Metal Mayhem ROC is brought to you by Mr. V's Street Style Vending and Special Events Catering. Visit our lunch cart in the College Town District at Strong Memorial Hospital or hit up the late night weekend location at the corner of Monroe Avenue in South Goodman. Look us up at mrvsvending.com for catering, pricing, and availability. That's Mr. V's Street Style Vending and Special Events Catering. Now, back to Metal Mayhem ROC. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Metal Mayhem ROC. I'm your host, John the Vernomatic Verno, and tonight we have Rod's drummer, founder, and solo artist, Carl Kennedy with us. Carl, how are you? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for checking in with me. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. we got to keep uh, everyone up to speed on what's going on in the uh, central New York metal scene. So we have a new solo album coming out why don't you get us up to speed on what you've been up to well i mean for this album it was a i play in an eight-piece horn band 
and the bass player Tony from Kennedy, who also sings on the album, uh, he and I are in this band, and he had a band called TLC with the other members of Kennedy. And I've been looking for musicians, you know, in this area. And although I've played with musicians in this area, and I've worked with them one off a song here or there we've recorded, I never found anybody like-minded to do a whole album with. So, you know, Tony asked me, his drummer wasn't working out because he had a job commitment. And uh, so they were doing a TV show. And he asked me if I would be willing to fill in on the TV show. So I learned some songs from TLC and did the TV show. That was fun. And so we decided to start writing material together. And so it was, we started doing that at the recording studio one day a week. And so, you know, after about a year and a half, we wound up having had a lot of fun. Um, we found that we had an album of material we were proud of. And uh, in, the, in the process of playing together every week, we became a band. So it was as simple as that. And I, I, I hate all the, you know, cliches. Like it was so organic, man. But it was, it, there was no, this whole Kennedy project, and it's not a solo album per se, it's a band. Mm-hmm. But this whole thing has been uh, kind of a Forrest Gump thing. We just didn't plan anything. There was no, um, you know, there's no manifest. There was no any, anything that was going on that was preconceived. We just started writing. Then we thought we had an album. We put the album together. This is the new version. How does this lineup differ from the 2016 album? That was a solo album. And, you know, I asked my friends to perform, you know, I had, and that was about my, was about my songwriting is why I did that album. I figured anybody who knew me knew I could play drums. And, but not everybody knew that, and people knew me as a producer. Nobody, not everybody knew me as a songwriter. That was a hell job. You know, the, the artist that I worked with, the, uh, was a prick he was a jackass to work with i'll tell you he was it was all over the map one day he was euphoric the next day he was depressed this album sucks i'll never release it the next day i was like oh this is really good i think i'll release it and then the next day oh i can't play drums to this song i've done it 10 times i don't know the feel it was a nightmare i mean rob rob reiner from anvil i was talking to him one night saying you know i love this song i've written my life my way about my two two of my close friends who passed away and i really want to make this song great and uh, I just couldn't play the drum track. I was just so insecure and unsure of myself. And Rob gave me the pep talk and uh, the producer pep talk. And so I went and was able to knock the track out. But it was really about my songwriting. And I wanted it to be songs that I had written 100% of across the board. All the riffs, the guitar parts, the bass parts, um, melody, lyrics, etc. cetera. Um, that'll be out soon. It's a killer album. Mm-hmm. But, you know, friends like that, like Mark Tornillo, from except he actually came to my house twice in my little studio very very kind i mean you're talking about uh, very supportive friends mark goes Just, back to the tt quick day so you guys have been buddies he does, for yep. 30 plus right. years uh, and joe camo who's you know no stranger to rochester joe sang a couple of songs helped me out he's such a great guy um you know so chris caffrey played solos john Hahn did the majority of the work but uh, you know, I had so many friends, even Gary Chesick from uh, the Jeffrey James Band, the guitarist, helped me a lot with working out, fine-tuning some arrangements and things, and he plays on it. So it was just really a great a great thing that my friends, you know, played on the album. Mark goes just, back to the TT Quick day, so you guys have been buddies does, for yep. 30 That's plus right. years. Uh, and Joe Camo, who's, you know, no stranger to Rochester, Joe sang a couple of songs, helped me out, he's such a great guy. Um, 
you know, so Chris Caffrey played solos. John Hahn did the majority of the work, but, uh, you know, I had so many friends, even Gary Chesick from uh, the Jeffrey James Band, the guitarist, helped me a lot with working out, fine-tuning some arrangements and things, and he plays on it. So it was just really a great, a great thing that my friends, you know, played on the album. So the Kennedy album was done, and I was shopping labels. So we started working with the publicist, uh, Chip, from Chipster PR. And, and masking Chip, like, what do you think? Like, look, was this crazy time? Like, we're a new band, what should we do? And, and uh, he said, well, you know, some of the press people are getting back to me who normally don't get back to me that quickly. So I said, you know what, let's just release the album. We all decided, talked about it, and we decided that, you know what, let's just do it. And so we released it digitally. And of course, we had decided to release it through Sleazy Rider, the physical, the vinyl, and the CD. But uh, we thought we'll go digital and we'll just put it out and we'll let the fans check it out and we'll see what kind of reviews we get and see if we can make some noise since we're sitting here doing nothing anyway. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I've had a chance to listen to it a few times and it sounds modern, but yet you're not really reinventing the wheel here. And it just has that that straight to your face kind of approach. The single, the warrior single, you know, gets gets right to it. But, you know, like sign, uh, the song In the Sign, that was a standout one. The second half of the album, I Love really... Love that song, too. That I was really digging, you know, Out for Blood and what's uh, the, the pronunciation on the last one? Adia? Atia. Yeah. We call it Atia. That's what they were calling it, Atia. I think it's the correct pronunciation is Atia. But, you know, whatever you, however you want to say it, John's fine with me because I don't really know. <laughs> talking with uh, Carl Kennedy, uh, drummer, founder of the new band Kennedy, and he was for years uh, one of the founding members of The Rods. And speaking of The Rods, mm-hmm. 1983, In The Raw. Rumor has it it was recorded uh, up on Barrett's Alley. Is this true? Absolutely. And so was Let Them Eat Metal. Both of those albums were recorded. And I'm trying to think what other songs, what other albums, let me think. But Chris Bubach, when the rods first started, that's our tie to that studio. When we first started, Chris Bubach was at Fredonia and Chris, Chris had, was in, in the engineering program. So Chris had free studio time. And of course, as an engineering student, you need to record something. That's, that's your gig, right? So we wound up making a deal with the school and to donate a piece of equipment that they wanted. I think it was a delay line, like $1,200 or something. It was nothing. 
uh, when I look back on it, but it was a big deal for us because we were starving musicians. But every time, every, between every gig, we would go to the studio to record and we'd hang out for a day until Chris had time. Sometimes it was at night, but we would record. So we recorded with Chris that first Rod's album and that's how we did it. I have one diary where, or my uh, planner, where we literally went 62 days straight without a break and every day off between gigs was driving to Fredonia to record. Huh. We weren't, we literally weren't home for 62 days. Um, and so, I mean, we were, we were diehards and, you know, that was the way it was, but then Chris Bubach got a job, graduated and wound up getting a job engineering at Barrett Alley. So there we go. We went back to uh, work with Chris again and that's how so he went, metal and he went to music America and he, uh, what did uh, Curcio hire him to work? He did. That's right. Paul Curcio. So Curcio had music America in Rochester and, mm -hmm. uh, we, like I mentioned, we did the whole uh, Lakeshore Record Exchange three-parter and Ron and Jackie Stein. I don't know if you remember Ron and Jackie, but they were instrumental in the whole Rochester early, mid-80s metal scene. And when the guys came up to do the Kill Em All, Metallica came up to do Kill Em All, and he was telling the story of Curcio reached out to him saying, hey, I got this band coming in here. How do you remember, what do you know about why Metallica came here? I did read the Johnny Z book and there was a, there's a whole process, but why Curcio, why Rochester was it the fact that he was able to get up here on a financial deal or the studio or what was it? Well, I'm good friends with John and Marcia and I would hate to ever speak for him, but no. I know that, it, I know that at that time, I think that I'm trying to think I was talking to Johnny Z at the time. So whether or not from, from the studio about producing bands and so i don't know whether he struck a deal with curcio or curcio which came first curcio or metallica or metallica and curcio mm. but it was um and because chris was there also so he knew chris and chris had worked with man of war so you know that's like the music business is so incestuous that you know there's always that uh, the Kevin Bacon three degrees of separation somehow. So, so I think that's the, so somehow that was it, but I remember Chris and we called him Dr. Metal because Chris hated metal. Um, you know, it wasn't his favorite genre. He was more of a Chicago blood, sweat and tears, Spira Gyra, um, you know, that kind of a jazz oriented thing, like real musicians. And, uh, which was joke about that. They're real musicians. And, uh, so they were, Chris called me one day and he was telling me, he goes, you know, like Lars struggles to play his fills, but he has great ideas. He's a hard time executing them. But he said, there's something about this band. And I always remember that because Chris, first of all, he recorded the rods and I never heard him say, oh, there's something about you guys. So I knew right away there was something special about Metallica. <laughs> but uh, besides playing, you uh, give us a uh, quick rundown to Anthrax. Uh, stuff you did the anthrax guys some of the uh exciter i remember exciter the violence and force they're a great mm -hmm. great band they are a great band and they're great guys that's the other thing they're just a great band they're actually great people um i love working with exciter but uh, you know i did the first three anthrax records and uh you know in the middle of the after the, the first album they parted ways with neil turban mm -hmm. and uh, they brought in a singer and you know, I, 
I always feel badly kind of saying this, but Matt, I just read an article about Wood and Matt where he kind of admits that maybe he was a little bit cocky when he was young. So when he came in, he just wasn't the guy. And after a week of working with him, I just said, guys, this guy isn't going to get you to the to a major label. Because remember, Johnny Z was independent. And he was trying to get his acts to major labels. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they they said, we'll get Johnny on the phone. I went to the conference room, called Johnny, told him what was up. Johnny said, let me talk to the guys. The guys went in and talked to Johnny and came back in five minutes. And I, they said, John wants to talk to you. I go in. John, I said, hey, John, what's up? put him on a bus and he hung up <laughs> and that was it. So then, it, then fortunately through Duck McDonald, who he and I did the Thrasher album and Duck and I have been friends for, for a long, long time. And, and he was great with uh, Blue Cheer resurrecting the band in their later years. Um, Duck suggested I call Joey Belladonna. And so Joey came in and, you know, he was, a, he was the perfect fit. He was actually just his voice and their music somehow had a unique thing. And uh, for me to this day, as much as John Bush was great, um, I just think that Joey's the, Joey's for me is the identity of Anthrax. Oh, I agree. Um, the Neil Turbin era, you know, is just right at the beginning there in their infant stages. And you're, and you're right, John Bush, you know, the Stomp 442 and a couple of those other albums, he, he did a great job, but Joey is the voice of anthrax and then the stuff they've been doing the last couple albums we had a chance to see him a year or two ago up here in rochester met him at the house of guitars and it's still you know killer stuff still um, killer and joey is just sounds joey sounds great and you're involved with overkill the field of fire the very first one mm-hmm. you know that's another band like clockwork every two years him and dd get a few new guys in put every two years pump no those in. guys are he and Didi have been amazing. They have been just cranking it out high level all this time. Nothing but respect for those guys. I got to see Blitz, um, I guess, two years ago <clears throat> because I was guesting for Held Hostage. And we wound up, we were doing, we opened for Metal Allegiance, direct support for Metal Allegiance. And so Blitz was part of that that particular show. So we're both walking, he's on the phone and I'm walking down the steps. We both looked at each other. Gave me a big hug, and you know, it was great to see him. <laughs> yeah, he's he, yeah. That's funny because um, I uh, you know met him years ago at the arcade, and then last spring, and uh, he just celebrated his 60th birthday. And he goes, "Ah, how things have changed now." You know, <laughs> we go out to dinner, but um, uh, catch us up on what's going on with the rods. We have a new singer who actually is the singer for Kennedy, Mike Santosiero is the singer for the Rods. And, um, you know, Gary and Freddie Villano from uh, Quiet Riot and D. Snyder and Freddie and I and David, David has an album out that or will be coming out called Hail and Farewell, which is incredible tribute to Ronnie, you know, his cousin. And mm-hmm. It's a great album. And uh, I played drums on that along with, I think Nate Horton played one track and I played the rest, but it's a great, great album. And Freddie Villano played on that, but Freddie and I played a couple dates with Held Hostage together. We played on that album, David's album. We played on other tracks. We did a track for Jim Crean and uh, on his London Fog album. And so he and I have worked together, you know, one form or another on different projects, but we fit together perfectly. And for David, this is our 40th year together. So this is our 
we celebrated 40 years together and it's it's unbelievable it's hard to it's hard to think that it was 40 years ago we got together and actually started writing songs for the rod so here we are 40 years later talking about it and uh, but we decided with gary's departure that david and i have we've had singers we've had shmulek avagal in the band and we've had uh, rick Cottle in the band and uh, so for us it was was time to say let's just do a bring in a singer and you know let's make this change and we may even add a keyboard player mm-hmm. so but i know a lot of the old rods fans are here they go david's not going to sing you know david and david and mike will be training vocals um you know it for david it allows him to concentrate more on his guitar playing and he's playing better than ever but it's um he'll still be singing and as we always call him the right reverend rock who, uh, <laughs> you know he talks to the crowd he's like uh he's like a baptist minister he's got the crowd fired up and you know he's a bible thumping guy in his case he's a metal guitar god pumping that metal guitar pounding his fist on it and preaching to the metal fans so that that won't change that's you know so it's not like things will get too crazy or too different for the rods it'll still be the same catalog we'll have some new material and we'll have a singer which is going to offer us a little more uh flexibility in songwriting well what's your famous quote about the rods if uh oh if it takes more if it's if it's more than the three chords it takes longer than five minutes to learn it's not a good rod song and now and and now john maybe maybe we can make it four chords in 10 minutes you know you never it's never too late to learn so that's right the old dogs you know the old wild dogs maybe can can uh, learn a trick well this will give me a new trick Great chance to segue into a uh, segment we call Mount Rushmore of Metal. And the question to you today, Mr. Kennedy, is your top four Rushmore vocalists of metal of all time. Ronnie Dio, number one. That's not even a no no question about that. The other is really tough because, you know, there are people like um, Bruce Dickinson, you know, amazing singer. and kind of created that genre really uh, to some extent. So, you know, I love, I love him. I mean, there's singers like we mentioned Neil Turbin, Neil Turbin's a great metal singer, mm-hmm. but whatever happened after Anthrax where he basically was, became a pariah. I um, didn't get the opportunities to have more high profile gigs, but he was brilliant. I think Joey is one of the top metal guys, I would say. Rob Halford, of course. Yeah, the metal god, the metal god. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be there. Like when when Priest fired him, whatever that whole debacle was, it was like, what? Like it's, you know, and I love, and, you know, we did 30 some dates with Ripper as one of the singers for the Dio Disciples uh, tour we did. And Ripper's great. And so no, no diss to Ripper because he's phenomenal. But Halford was Priest. Just simple as that. You ever share and a stage with a priest, open up with support or anything? We have, yeah. And the, for the Screaming for Vengeance, we did a part of that tour for them, you know, through the mid Midwest and through Texas and that. Um, and we had actually, our first show was when we were looking to get a manager, we played at the Palace Theater, I believe in Albany, New York. And it was really cool because it was our first show Cedric Kushner was the promoter and Cedric Kushner was getting into, he had been promoting bands, but he was getting into boxing. So he was kind of like 
on the cusp of that, but he was looking at us to manage us. And so he put us on the bill to open. And so, and it was, it was a fun, it was a great opportunity. And I always remember that we, you know, remember we were living on $5 a day and, you know, we had $5 a day and we were, our bass player, Steve, he had to buy cigarettes out of that. So I mean, we were starving and he had to buy cigarettes on top of it. So it was, you know, we get to the room, the dressing room and there's this food laid out, you know, and I'm like, oh, we can't touch that, but it looks great. I'm so hungry. And, and uh, you know, and it was really nice, nice stuff, John, like um, bologna, there was uh, olive loaf, slices of orange and white American cheese. And uh, some and and so and there was some white bread there. We're like, wow, freaking priest, man! Look at what they get. You guys like eat like kings. And that and was their course, that was their heyday. That was the uh, screaming for vengeance. That's when they're no, no, no. That was that was earlier, but but that was our deli tray. We thought it was for priest. You know, we we're like, oh my god, this is these guys eat so well, like bologna and pimento loaf. But it was our our tray. They came in and said, "No, this food's for you." But we were afraid to touch it because, you know, we figured. And then we realized that priests had some kind of like barbecue chicken and steak and shrimp and lobster in their dressing room. We were like thinking they were eating olive loaf. But anyway, there was a window above where you could look out on the Palace Theater, like down from the dressing room onto the side stage. So it was kind of cool to watch the show from there seeing him ride out on the motorcycle and the whole machine gun and the whole bit he was doing then. It was great. But the, yeah, the Screaming for Vengeance tour was really fantastic for us. And there was a lot of fun and it was all arenas and the huge set they had. They had two sets. One set actually had to, uh, one set went ahead the day before to be built while they were performing that night. And then that set, they finished that night, would then jump to the next venue for two days later. So it was a huge production they had, but it was fun. We watched them every night. I became good friends with um, the drummer and, you know, we, we, it was just a fun tour. The guys were all nice to us. Well, that being said, um, 40 years in uh, the metal world and rock and roll, uh, you have to have a metal confession you could share with us. Um, I have so many metal confessions that we could restart this interview <laughs> and it could be all metal confessions. Um, I think you'd have to give me a little more direction about the metal confession. Like, uh, what, what would I be confessing about? Well, you know what, uh, why don't we share, um, what your, any interaction or your impression of the late, great Randy Rhodes? Well, when we played the first show, we opened for Ozzy with, uh, Randy Rhodes. That was in the dressing room in Syracuse and we were in the dressing room warming up and Randy was several doors down, like way down the hallway from us. And all of a sudden he fires up practicing, warming up. He must've had a full Marshall stack in there because literally we could not speak to each other. Our mouths would move. We couldn't hear a word we were saying. It was that loud. But at the time, you know, the, the, uh, the Blizzard of Oz album, he was now playing things that, you know, later we would hear Satriani play. And, you know, it was a, it was a whole different style of music, all the modes and just wailing and the sweet picking and things he didn't play with Ozzy, things that were 
you know, way ahead of what he was doing, sure, but sure. He, he was playing it. And he, so, you know, we always think about like, what would have happened if he had been, he continued to record, like what would he would have made some amazing, amazing music because he played with such feel and that he had amazing technique. So if you can, as a songwriter, if you have that kind of technique and also you're playing with feel and you can write, it's wide open for you. So, but it was, it was amazing to hear that we were just kind of all in, in awe, not only at what he was playing, the fact that the guy was playing a freaking 120 decibels in his dressing room. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> well, that's great. That's good stuff. But uh, listen, Carl, I want to thank you for um, sharing your uh, post-dinner cocktail with me. And I well, want to thank you for uh, 40 years of rocking out. It's sometimes, I don't know if you realize it, but you do make an, you have made an impression on a lot of people. And it's always nice to talk with people that I grew up with and we will do our part on metal mayhem ROC to uh, promote the new Kennedy project. Again, the, the new physical copy comes out everywhere, hopefully August 15th and any dates um, possibly after we, COVID. No, we do have a date lined up and um, that's in October and, you know, we're excited. I mean, we, but you know, we're, we're tentative about it because who knows, October 3rd. So we're hoping that date's going to hold. And by the way, I wanted to mention that uh, I'm part of this music musical collective called Angels of Dresden. And we're just releasing a video of a song, um, Home for a While. I always want to say it's a different title, but it's Home for a While. And uh, Brad Sinsel, Bryn Aarons, a lot of talented people, and I'm playing drums. But check it out if you get a chance. It's a cool song, Angels of Dresden. Yeah, and uh, people out there listening, all this information will be on the Metal Mayhem ROC um, uh, website show notes. So there will be direct links to everything that Carl and I have talked about tonight. But uh, Twitter, got a Twitter handle. Uh, where can people follow you? Uh, the Raj Official. Okay. And Carl Kennedy. So on Instagram, Twitter, and of course, Facebook, Carl Kennedy, or the Rods official and Kennedy on Facebook. So lots of places to find us. And, and John, thank you, because with this uh, whole COVID shutdown, this is the only way the music gets out. And as I mentioned earlier, Kennedy is a new band. And so we need to get the word out, like we're talking about. It's hard to rise above the din and get people to take notice. And so this is one of the ways which we can do it as a band. So we thank you very much for that. Oh, you're welcome. And like I said, at the beginning of the interview, I do dabble my partner, metal forever, Mark, that I do the show with. We have done some um, promoting up here. We brought Doc and into town a couple of times, the last in line. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we uh, had an involvement with the overkill guys in terms of promotion. So we were ready to do another one and then COVID started. So, you know, let the virus do it, take its course and maybe we'll work together in the future, but uh, you're Let's welcome. Hope. You're welcome. Well, thank you. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, Carl. Take care, bud. Take care, John. Bye. Bye. Okay. There you have Carl Kennedy, uh, founding member of the rods, the new outfit, uh, Kennedy, the album warrior coming out. The digital is out now. And the uh, hard copy is August 15th. So for Metal Mayhem ROC, this is the Vernomatic, and we will talk to you next Thursday night. Take care.
Metal for life. Thanks for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our websites at MetalMayhemROC.com and MetalForever.com for information on upcoming concerts, podcasts, archives, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. Catch us next time on WLFE-DB Radio. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.